Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! <laughs> Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics, something that is critical in democracies like India, especially in influencing what the little guy gets or does not get. Every week, this show will explore this intersection to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I'm your host, Anil Padmanabhan. This week, the air quality index in Delhi and its vicinity began to rapidly worsen, enough to grab national eyeballs, setting in motion the annual blame game. It is the time when civic consciousness comes alive at its most righteous self. And politicians are at their best in evading blame, some even packaging tokenism as solutions. And typically, the resulting noise is burying the facts. Exactly why I chose to speak to a domain expert in Chandrabhushan. An environmentalist of Accomplish, he is the CEO of iForest. Coincidentally, I spoke to him on the day the pollution problem spiked. The PM 2.5 was a staggering 527, identified as hazardous. I began with the obvious. Is this the peak or is there worse to come? I think we are nearing the peak. Uh, We will go till about 600, 650. That's where the AQI uh, peak goes in Delhi. For a prolonged period of time, you might have a a short-term spike of even 1,000 on certain days, but those are uh, short duration spike. But yeah, I mean to say, but it hardly matters when you have a QI of 500 or 1,000, frankly speaking, because both are severe. And it is then only a question of, you know, how much more harm is, is going to happen because 500 itself is extremely, extremely bad. But for the children, for elderly, and in the time of COVID, for people, you know, with a weak respiratory system. So, you know, it becomes very relative. So, 500 is bad. But just to answer your question, yes, we are nearing that peak of about 6, 650 uh, that happens every year. So, Chandra, actually, uh, what you mentioned is very interesting because this comes at a time of the COVID pandemic, which also targets respiratory organs. And this is unprecedented. It's the first time we both are coinciding. So the damage to personal health this time would be much worse, right? Uh, see, uh, absolutely. I mean to say people with weak respiratory system and, and the weakness in respiratory system is because it could have happened because of air pollution, prolonged exposure to air pollution for uh, to, to some people. And now if that person gets COVID, the severe is likely to be very, very high. That is one aspect. Uh, there is an emerging literature which is also 
showing that maybe the the infection rate will also increase uh, because of increased uh, pollution levels. But there is a question mark on that. I, I, I also want to say that I do not want politicians to use air pollution as an excuse to say that there is air pollution, therefore numbers are rising. Okay, I see that already happening in Delhi. Uh, so there is some literature uh, on this issue, but it is not uh, conclusive. Uh, but that could also happen that the number will increase. And lastly, for certain people, both COVID and air pollution will come together and, and, and can be really, really dangerous uh, for them uh, from, uh, you know, health perspective. So from all three perspectives, we are in a really bad time uh, uh, in the country today, especially in Delhi. So Chandra, you make a actually important point about the country because I was looking at the World Air Quality Index maintained by this non-profit. Which, uh, in which I found that barring mm-hmm. Tirumala, no town or city gets the green or uh, good quality air certificate. So this is not a Delhi NCR pollution problem, right? No, it is not. It is absolutely not. So what you can do actually is you can <clears throat> look at Indo-Gangetic Plain as as one part of the country where the where the level of pollution actually spikes a lot. Uh, the severity level is very high. And that's Indo-Gangetic Plain. And it actually starts from the foothill of Himalayas uh, in the northwest and goes till Calcutta, Kolkata. So uh, I mean to say Kolkata also experiences severe air pollution. So does cities of Bihar and Uttar Pradesh and Jharkhand. So this, this entire Indo-Gangetic Plain is a, it, it's almost like a funnel shape if you look at it. Because on one side you have Himalayas, on the other side you have Chotanagpur Plateau and Deccan, uh, you know, Deccan Plateau. So in between Indo-Gangetic Plain is there. So the air movement becomes, and, and therefore the dispersion of pollution becomes uh, uh, quite difficult during this part of the year. And in fact throughout the year, I mean to say this funnel effect is always there. So that is one. But what we are also finding is, that even coastal cities like Chennai or Mumbai are now experiencing very bad air qualities, which was not there before. And then we all we are also experiencing bad air quality in central India, Madhya Pradesh, uh, parts of Karnataka, uh, Orissa, the, the, the center of India, which was again not there. Chandra just punctured a popular perception that pollution is a daily NCR challenge. Instead, it is a pan-India problem. How come? There are many reasons why it is happening. One, over the last 20 years, India's consumption of fossil fuels have increased significantly. In fact, not fossil fuel. India's consumption of fuel as such, which includes biomass, 20% of our primary energy is biomass. Over a period of time, as our population has grown, as our effluence has grown, as our electricity demand has increased, our basket of energy has significantly increased. For example, in last 20 years, our coal consumption has tripled. Somewhere from 300 million ton, we are consuming now close to a billion ton of, ton of coal. Think about it, a billion ton of coal uh, this country is consuming. We are the second largest consumer of coal after China. But we also consume a large amount of biomass. 
So one reason is that we are now burning a lot more than what we were burning before. That is point number one. Point number two is we have also exploited our land so much that about a third of India's geographical area is under desertification. And which is, I believe, is a much, much bigger ecological issue. I mean, health is there, but air pollution is a problem. But from ecological perspective and long-term perspective, if you are destroying one-third of your land, which is the basis of your food production, then it is it, it, it is a major problem. So now these two factors are now coming together. Your energy basket, you're consuming more. Your land is getting more desertified, and therefore there's a lot more dust. And you put both of them together. And apart from that economic you know, economic activities and construction and burning of waste, you put it together, you have a situation where it is a pan-India problem. Air pollution is a pan-India problem. So, in a way, is this the price that we are paying for rapid economic growth? Not exactly. I think we are we are getting our economic growth, the, the concept of economic growth wrong. It is India is not the only country which is growing, right? We have seen how East Asia has grown. We have seen how China has grown. Let me not compare with China because certain part of China had huge problems. I would rather look at the way East Asia grew or, or for that matter, how West Asia is growing or how Latin America has grown. Okay, India is not the, no, not, not the only country which is growing. I think we are, we are doing what I call it as dirty growth, which is we, we are, every country as it grows, it also strengthens its governance. Okay. And governance doesn't mean policing. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Governance means you will have institutions uh, which will ensure that, you know, both economic institutions and regulatory institutions and social institutions, which will ensure that the, the pollution that is coming out is managed well. We have not been able to strengthen our institutions. For example, if you see in Delhi today, uh, the weakest institution is municipalities. Okay, we keep talking about what state government is doing or what center government is doing. But the fact of the matter is there is dust on road. It is municipality's responsibility to make sure dust is not there or greenery is there or the construction is done well or the waste is not, waste is not burned. These are municipal responsibility. You know, municipalities were called as public health agencies. Go back little, little back and you, you, you will, you will know that they were called as public health agencies. Our municipalities are not doing their job. And somehow we are centralizing everything in this country. And I find it extremely problematic. I mean to say, how do you solve Coimbatore problems sitting in Delhi defies my imagination. But that's what we are trying to do all the time. Supreme Court in Delhi gives direction to someone, something happening in Coimbatore and expects that local agency to implement, where that local agency doesn't have capacity to implement. Okay. So I think the fundamental problem that, that, that this country faces today is that we are, we are growing, we are doing economic growth without strengthening local institutions to actually tackle that problem. No country in the world has done that. Go across the world. We, South Asia is probably the unique example of the world where we are trying to run countries top down. No country in the world does that. 
you're saying our institutions are weak and the only way to strengthen the institutions is to decentralize but then you're also implicitly suggesting there's a political problem here more than a policy challenge it is frankly speaking they both are linked actually anil your political problem gets translated into policy problem because you then see policy always from the prism of politics okay so they both they both are related uh give you some, for example uh, you know uh, i think you, that discussion you were you wanted to have that but let me just bring it up the new agency that has been set up right now you know the the the, so the government of india has set up a new agency for delhi and ncr uh to tackle the pollution issue where uh, the new authority will will look at it now while i am quite agreeable with the idea of a regional platform to deal with these issues i am not quite agreeable with the idea of regional dikta okay i think there are two very separate things you need a regional platform and you know many countries have regional platform to uh, to address environmental issue in fact baltic states have a regional you know country level coordination to clean baltic sea okay but the the idea of a platform is that you bring everyone on the same table uh, come to conclusion and then allow them to go and do things okay with certain accountability built into the uh, into the entire system now that kind is fine but you do not want an institution set up in delhi to control pollution in in whole of delhi ncr where it will be directing and superseding every other agency okay that becomes a little bit more problematic so again this is the idea of politics somehow we think that the centralized government the, the way the post independence the so called quasi federal republic that we had in invasars is going to work today also for issues like pollution okay there might be an important issue for national security but the question we need to ask is is that an important issue for for environmental and developmental issues chandra has a point you can't take politics out of the current problem of pollution yet it is equally important to understand the extent and nature of the pollution challenge question some of the stereotypes we are being fed constantly see anil i have been arguing that what you burn determines how much you pollute okay it's a very simple concept it's not complicated at the end of the day most of the pollution apart from the natural sources dust most of the pollution comes from combustion combustion of either you know uh Uh, petrochemicals coal or biomass these are the broadly the so your pollution basket in many ways is your fuel basket now if this concept you take it forward and there is absolutely no dispute on this okay at the end of the day uh, everyone looks at the energy basket to understand both greenhouse gas emission as well as pollution so if if you take this concept forward what you find that 80% of what we burn in india is coal and biomass we burn about as i said 950 million tons of coal but a billion ton of coal and about 400 million tons of biomass and if you add a stubble burning which is happening in 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 parts of punjab haryana and up then it becomes about say 500 million tons 
So 1.5 billion tons, it means more than a ton per person, what we burn is coal and biomass. Then is your oil, gas, are the other two major things. We burn about 200 million tons of oil and about 50 million tons oil equivalent gas. So about 250 million tons oil and gas. This is what we burn. And then we burn about 50 million tons of garbage. You know, across the country, this is a ballpark figure uh, that, that I am giving you. In oil, gas is largely used for either transportation sector or fertilizer sector or, or in cooking. So we also understand, and gas is the cleanest fuel uh, that is available. In oil, about 100 million tons is used for petrochemical industry, where you get all the petrochemicals, and 100 million tons is used for transport sector. So about 2 billion tons of what we burn, only about 100 million tons is used in transport sector, which is 5%. Now, so while vehicles are a major source of pollution locally, it could be, you know, in, in the local context, you can say that at a certain crossroad, it could be like ITO, it could be the only major source of pollution. One can understand, but at the national level, automobiles are not the major source of pollution. Okay, And now more so when we have automobile with emission standards of Euro 4 and Euro 6, you know, the, the pollution levels are really low. So while we, in the last 20 years, as I, I can tell you right now, 20 years, if you look at the judgment of Supreme Court or deliberation of EPCA or the decision of Delhi government, or across the country, for 20 years, our focus has been how do we get pollution down from automobile sector, which solves 10% of our problem. The 80% of our problem, which was coal and biomass, we never touched. And that is the reason why we have not been able to solve the pollution problem in Delhi NCR, in Indo-Gangetic Plain, and across the country. So, Chandra, this uh, issue of biomass burning, it's a, the political economy of biomass burning is very simple. It's free. So why? how would you incentivize people to give up this habit? See, I, there are, I don't think we have seriously looked at this issue. All of us, I come from a reasonably you know, lower middle class family. I, I need to say my grandfather was a farmer. Uh, my great grandfather was a was a farmer. We all, I remember very clearly as I was growing up in village, we used to cook on biomass. Okay, it, it was quite clear, clearly that's how we cook food. But the moment we, we, our economic status improved, the first thing we did was to move to, you know, a stove, which at that point of time I remember was a kerosene stove. We bought a kerosene stove and then uh, to, to the gas. So one is that as affluence increases, as education increases, people will move to cleaner fuel to safeguard the health and drudgery of women. That we are seeing already. Also, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I don't want, I'm, I'm going to publish a report very soon on it. I did a study recently in Western Uttar Pradesh. And the, one of the biggest problems in Western Uttar Pradesh is cow dung now. Because the educated women are refusing to use cow dung cake for cooking. So it is quite the moment you educate women 
and they have seen you know gas cooking stove they do not want to go in field and you know prepare cow dung cakes that's they don't want to do so one is that so despite this entire idea that it is free therefore people are using it what i am finding and many scholars are finding is that that's a little simplistic notion of how economy works education educating and women is clearly has that one factor so one we have to that social factor we will have to address and second factor is that we now have to make available you know if if someone were to say that can we make for 3 months cooking fuel free you know lpg free for everyone who is using biomass it will anil it will cost in delhi ncr anil it will cost less than the kind of money we are spurging on air pollution today so you heard chandra he clearly outlines the challenge of pollution it is for real and together with covid-19 it is life threatening too equally importantly he lays out a blueprint to fend off the challenge like most problems he makes the case for a new playbook which first lists the sources of pollution prioritizes the threats and then works the solution and like chandra said eventually empower the local bodies in short walk the talk on local is vocal that's all for today thank you for listening hope you enjoyed this episode do share your feedback and ideas you can reach me on twitter at capital calculus or on facebook and instagram at ht smartcast i'll be back next week with a new episode of capital calculus till then stay safe this was a mint production brought to you by ht smartcast ht smartcast I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising April on your favorite podcast app.